Minister, Prime Minister, can you comment on why Eugene Day was in the opening driver lineup in 2006? Prime Minister, are you able to explain why the car was revealed just two days before the start of the 2007 season? Prime Minister, do you have anything to say about the team trucks being refused entry to the 2008 Turkish Grand Prix and the collapse of the organisation shortly afterwards? I really have no comment about this at all. No, no comment. The Prime Minister there, refusing to comment on his relationship with the American businesswoman, Jennifer Superaguri. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed, and I'm pleased to say that we are completely quarate. The entire team is here. They are Zog. Hello. Sarah. Hello. Richard. Hello. And I'm Gareth. I don't know if you've forgotten what my voice sounds yeah, like. Back. Thank you very much. Welcome back. Shake hands. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you for doing a show without me, and I hope you've enjoyed the shows I did while I was in America. Yeah, the Peterson Museum stuff was terrific, and I've got a real kick out of realising that we'd both come across the same vehicle the same clockwork orange vehicle the adams probe I that's think it, it was. yeah credit to richard for actually remembering that name a few minutes ago i saw it at the cubic exhibition and you saw it at the yeah. at the peterson museum which is pretty good because there were only ever three built and we stood next yeah. to two of them yeah we almost had the complete market cornered there where is yeah. the third one if you're standing next to the third one do let us know now while i've been away much has happened in the world of formula one i missed i actually survived without watching F1 races for the first time in years and actually learned to live without it. I did watch some of the highlights, care of Channel 4's on-demand service at one point. And That's a good way to catch up, I think. Yeah. So how many races did you miss? I think I missed three or four. Okay. Most of it was over the summer break, but I did miss a lot of action. But the stuff that's been going on that I found interesting is the driver movements in the meantime. First of all, the fact that Hulk has lost his drive. Well, oh. That's a shame. I think he might get picked up by Williams, no? Or is that... It's a possibility, although aren't there Mercedes drivers who are going to get a drive at Williams? Isn't that a possibility? I've lost track. Junior Mercedes drivers. Well, there's an interesting question. I mean, what happened? Well, Esteban Ocon is a Mercedes driver. He's going to Renault, though, but isn't Ren- he? Yeah. Hulkenberg's coming out of Renault, so there's... Yeah. A relationship there, uh, arguably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I hope it isn't the end of Hulk, because I think he's tremendous. And I know Ricciardo's done better than him recently. Yeah, but the thing with Hulkenberg, I think, is that he's been in the sport for quite a few years. He's been a hot tip for a long time. A lot of people have, you know, tipped him to be a great success. Mm. And he's just never, ever delivered and he's never to me looked like he was going to deliver on that potential so I'm not that surprised that he's finding it a bit tricky to get into another car right now yeah I feel like we've spent 10 years going oh Nico Hulkenberg he's so underrated isn't he and actually maybe he's just rated yeah, so I think just yeah, as they, good as there, we, comes, there comes a point not as good, not as exceptional but somehow held back as we've always liked to believe like he's obviously very good I think or is yeah, he? I don't know I anymore. Know. No, I'm he's starting he's to... got some points on the board this year, I'm sure. True. Yeah. He is very good, but I think he's just not remarkable. This is the yeah. thing. And if you're looking for another driver, if you're looking to fill a seat right now, you're either going to take somebody who's young and possibly remarkable. Yeah. I just don't think he's got enough going for him anymore. If you were taking a more experienced driver... Could you imagine the name Nico Hulkenberg with the words 
world champion in front of it. <laughs> well, it's happened twice. I was going to say, well, yeah. yeah. In, uh, in, in other yeah. series, yeah, yeah. absolutely. He, he yeah. won right. a Formula One not world champion. Okay. No, well, he, he so won. What about it's multiple it's Formula One world champion, Nico Hulkenberg? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't yeah. sound right somehow. He walked A1 GP, made it look easy. He beat everyone else in GP2 and took the championship there in his first season, at his first attempt. And very often there are drivers who struggle for three years, Jolly and Palmer, to achieve that. It's a very competitive series. And given equal machinery, he's tremendous. But he hasn't been given fair machinery. Are you, are you suggesting that we should slide him gently into the file marked? The Sterling Moss compendium of yes, greatest uh, non-world champions very nice, of Richard. our time. Yeah. I don't know. Well, well you put it like that. On, yeah, it, right. He is quite good. But I think the moment's passed, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't get long to prove yourself in Formula 1. It is, as Ron Dennis called it, the Piranha Club. And either you strike and succeed immediately or mm, you're last year's news. It does have a lot to do with what car you're driving. Yes, it flipping does. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah, wouldn't it be great... To have Hulk, I don't know, in the McLaren, which is looking great. No, it wouldn't. It would not be great to have Hulkenberg in, 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 in a McLaren. It would be a wasted opportunity, I think. Uh, Fighting talks, OK. Look, yeah, come on, McLaren. The two guys that McLaren have got this year are terrific. They've picked well and they're both working out really well for them. They are. Norris, fabulous young driver. Sainz seems to have got a bit more, I don't know, a bit more far in his belly maybe mm. since mm-hmm. going to McLaren and he's you know I think he's delivering on more of his potential now mm. and w- the would you honestly would you honestly put Hulkenberg in over either of those two I wonder if Hulk would be better than Alex Albon in a Red Bull it's not going to happen no again you again, want a bit yeah. of fire in the belly you want that youthful yeah. aggression and thirst for glory you have a feeling if you hired Hulkenberg that maybe I don't know disrespect to the man but that he's the kind of person who might turn up and go well, we didn't used to do it like that at Renault. No, I'd rather he didn't do it like that. He's potentially a little bit set in his ways. Obviously, he's got a German accent as well, but maybe he's bringing a load of bad habits with him. Like, like, having a, like having a rescue dog versus a new puppy. And I know the good thing to do, worth remembering, get a rescue dog. There's lots of dogs need rescuing. But Nico Hulkenberg, he's the rescue dog of F1 drivers. Oh, he's got too many bad oh, habits. Oh, and he's, he's not, long, not long left for this world. Yeah. Get a young puppy. And it may be that. that he's the rescue dog of Formula One with a large appetite. As I've heard, one of the reasons that he hasn't been picked up by Renault is that his wage demands are greater than they're willing to pay. And he shat on the rug. (laughs) (laughs) Bad boy, bad Nico, down. Uh, Other stuff that's going on in Formula 1 that I found fascinating to discover when I got back was that Renault will no longer be supplying McLaren next year, that they're going back to Mercedes. Uh, No, not next year. Yeah, I think from 2021. Which is a big deal. And it it seems like McLaren have taken a very long way around the block <laughs> to kind of come back to where they should have been for quite a long time. It's like those people and who it, were sort of boyfriend, girlfriend at, when they were students and then they go off and do different things and end up getting married in their 30s. <laughs> <laughs> or my brother-in-law <laughs> is about to marry, this very month, is about to marry a woman he was at school with. 
So Hang on, is she already a man? So we should your brother in law. No, because he's my wife's brother. Right, right. So it works not, that yeah. way around. Oh, isn't right. it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's not my sister's <laughs> husband because I don't have a sister and she doesn't have a husband. Yes. Do they reunite? I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. It, well, no, no, but it was, it's a long story. But anyway, you know, that's sort of what it feels like. It's the same as <laughs> it, McLaren going back to Mercedes. Do you, McLaren, take this Mercedes to be your lawfully wedded engine? I do. It's a good thing for McLaren, I think. Don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, it's a very good thing for McLaren. They should probably never have dropped them in the first place. But I'm wondering if this is part of a Mercedes escape strategy. Because the announcement that Mercedes... Oh, I see where you're going with yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. they've already entered into Formula E for next year. Yes. The only way is down for them from the lofty position that they are now. It's yeah. going to be the hard tra- to The record this. of wins, yeah. of constructors and drivers' championship wins they have hmm. is quite, quite... Remembering that Mercedes are a corporate team and that Daimler AG recently announced that they wouldn't be developing any new engine blocks. They've got blocks that are going to last, what, 10, 15 years, Richard, oh, is it? More, more yeah. yeah. But you can see how, as a corporation, they will have to move away from the internal combustion engine if they're not making any internal combustion engine cars in the medium future, never mind the long-term future. So could this be, well, we could always have a presence in Formula One. Our engine department can go off to McLaren like it used to. They can be in McLaren running with Mercedes. We can find someone to buy our team. Maybe we'll sell it to Ross Braun again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you see what I'm getting at? And we can go into Formula E. interviewed quite a few times, actually, on the Formula One coverage. Who, uh, Ross Braun? Ross Braun, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, his voice does sound very similar to the way he's um, slightly <laughs> off mic. As if he's I'm quite got enough power to finish the word. <laughs> Lost I do love his voice. What do you yeah. think, Richard? Any brief? Uh, I is think that... that's, a, that's an interesting one. I hadn't thought about that. I think. Yeah. I, I think. I'd buy, that for, I mean, buy that for a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, because I mean, Mercedes are not going to carry on doing what they're doing in F1 forever. Hmm. They're not a team like Williams, and all the Williams are in a pretty small minority here, who exist only to go racing in F1, pretty much. Essentially, it's advertising. Formula 1 and Formula E is advertising. So if people buy electric cars, all the money will go into the expansion of the electric series, and likewise with Formula 1. So I spoke to someone last week who just thinks that the whole thing will merge in the end. Ah, now that's what I was saying to Violet the other day as well, that Formula 1 and Formula E will have to become... One and the same to survive. I, I, that's far away. It's from a po- now. Yeah, I can imagine that as a possible future. Just because if you're looking beyond the medium term, yeah, there are some real questions about the survivability of F1 in its current form, you know, as it is currently made. Because, yeah, in the end, all of the money that goes into the sport that enables those teams to spend that much money on those expensive cars and those expensive drivers, it's coming from car company marketing budgets Mm -hmm. and advertising, but a lot less of the advertising and marketing from other industries than we had in, relatively speaking, in the 70s or 80s. Uh, It's quite ballsy, in a way, when it comes to their use of advertising money. They were one of the first car companies that went, it is irrelevant for us now to advertise in actual car magazines. And that might have seemed superficially sort of counterintuitive. 
where are people looking when they buy a new car? It's car magazines. But actually, where are they looking? Where are normal people who aren't that into cars looking more commonly? It's in lifestyle magazines. It's yeah, in Sunday Chief or Marie Claire so, or something like that. So yeah. that's where they decided if they're going to spend any money in print advertising, which is a fairly sort of waning field, let's just focus, make a hard decision to just turn our back on the most obvious and natural place to advertise cars. In fact, let's advertise it where we're getting a broader audience. So I think... They're not daft. That's why they've been around for longer than anyone else as a car yep. company. Mm. Yeah, they'll just do whatever is the most prudent use of their money. And it's like Sarah says, it's like it's if more people are buying electric cars and they want to push electric cars harder, focus your money on electric motorsport. And there's also just this sort of the more general thing of the more the internal combustion engine looks like a relic of the late 19th, early 20th centuries and something that's unavoidably tied to wasteful and unsustainable ways of doing things, mm. the harder it becomes for that to be part of a big, successful sports series that you're selling to the world. Yeah. I bet Greta um, Thunberg wouldn't drive a Formula One car, would she? Probably not. And she's going not. to inherit the earth. Is she interested in Formula E, though? There's the question. Do you see what yeah. I mean? These are the people, these are the generation who are going to inherit motorsport. I think she still say, why are you travelling around the world yeah. with all of these things yeah. that are driving yeah, yeah. around in circles, using virtually. energy for... The curious thing about the which Mercedes, is question, which is a reasonable question, the, the curious thing about the Mercedes Formula One team is it makes a profit for Daimler AG. It's been mm. so successful for them, and the sales of engines has offset the cost of development of the mm. engines and the amount of sponsorship that they get mm. and the amount of prize money that they would. It actually makes a profit. Yeah. For Daimler AG, how many yeah. F1 teams do that? I've got to say, you know, if you're if you're a struggling midfield team, it's enough to make you spit your tea out over breakfast, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you know, we well, didn't come into motorsport to make a yeah. profit. These corporate teams arriving and making a success of it as a business. <laughs> What's um, it they say about Formula anybody One? Could, anybody could do that. It, oh, no, maybe Formula can't. One turns billionaires into millionaires. That's what they say. Yeah. That's what they say. I yeah. believe that. Yeah, the guys who come in with all this money and run a team for a few years it'll be Lance Stroll's dad next yeah. he'll be going broke yeah yeah. so could we be seeing the beginning of I don't know maybe not an end in Formula 1 but certainly a change of direction signalled by the simple fact that McLaren are going back to Mercedes engines or am I just I think extrapolating too much here? honestly it's extrapolating too much but it's an interesting thought I think there could definitely be something to it in terms of there being a Mercedes exit strategy but that Mercedes exit strategy is if that's there, and that's an important caveat, but if that's part of the thinking here, that's an exit strategy that's thinking, well, we've been winning and winning and winning and winning. It's better to go out on a high mm-hmm. yeah. rather than to just carry on for five years and not doing very well. Mm. You know, they'll go out on a high with a terrific track record. That more questionable future for F1 is, you know... But again, I can't see that. Liberty Media letting Mercedes go. I mean, they're such a marketable team. They're good for but the sport. Why? why would you let Mercedes exit themselves and say, oh, look, you know, I'm going to shut up shop. We're going to Formula E because that's where our future is. But how I, get- I think that wouldn't be good for the business of Formula One and Liberty Media. And that there'll, be a, be. Lot, there'll be, a lot of behind, be a lot of behind the scenes arm uh, Yeah, I think, I mean, Bernie Eccleston, he did a few deals with Ferrari, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah so, sure, to yeah. keep them there. Yeah. 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 Funny if that's Liberty at the moment, I'm sort of trying to unpick a lot of that aren't they make it a bit more fair Mm. for all the teams so that there isn't a sort of a weighting towards Ferrari or for that matter to Mercedes so I think it'd be a hard sell to go hey don't go guys don't go look we'll give you some more of the prize money even though we promise we're not going to do any of those shenanigans but I don't know see really to keep this completely true to its heritage what they should do is one last season let's say it's 2023 they go we're going to do one last season we won't tell anyone but we'll give a clue 
because we're going to hire Nico Rosberg. <laughs> we're going to win everything. And then he's going to announce. We'll let him announce it because he's good at announcing people who drop out after they've won something. We're going to do that. And everyone will go, oh, this is wonderfully ironic. And also, oh, they're going. Oh, okay, right, fine, good. Then we're going to bring the other Nico back, Hulkenberg. It'll be the Nico Championship. We'll sell the team to him. Then you can see if he's... Yeah. We could spend, like, Seems ten like years going, Oh, isn't Hulkenberg F1 team? Aren't they promising? They'll win something yeah, one day. Oh, they still haven't. Right oh, no. next year. <laughs> there are other movements in Formula One at the moment, including the idea of a qualifying race, which is getting a bit of discussion right now um, as well. And also put the grid back to front. Mm-hmm. The, Basically, know, they want F1 right to be idea. GP2 yeah. or F2 as it is now. These are both things that they have in F2, the top eight, in sprint race in reverse is determined by a feature race they have two races they have a short race and a feature race A1 GP used to do it it worked rather well does F1 need to do that or is F1 all about the big race would it be actually throwing the baby out with the bathwater do you think if we had a qualifying race instead of qualifying although I was in a conversation with a football fan the other day I said yeah well the way it works is that they have this qualifying session and the fastest cars in qualifying start the race at the front and he went wait what 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 that means they're gonna win it it means that the other guys don't get a chance why do they do that why don't they do it like the draft in American football do you know about the draft mm, you know yeah, about I, I didn't know about this do you know about the draft in mm, American kind football of, yeah. it's like the way that football teams were picked when you were kids everyone would line up and you go I'll have him then the other team chooses I'll have him and you know you whittle down to the fat kid and me at the last two right (laughs) that's how it works and that keeps it fair that all the teams get access to the same resources why doesn't Formula One do something like that was the question my mate who's a big football fan put to me as opposed to giving an advantage to the guys with the fastest cars and teams well there's a good reason why you have a qualifying session to basically put the fastest cars nearer the front of the grid it's partly so that you don't get a horrendous pile up you know (laughs) at the first quarter or during the first lap as the fastest cars start at the back of the grid and inevitably make their way to the front Mm. there are some good reasons why you do that and also i'm not convinced by this you know okay when you say it's fairer to jumble up the starting positions more why is it fairer to have a slower car starting ahead of a faster car if you want to start at the front of the race, get Make a faster, faster car. car. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's racing, isn't it? <laughs> Drive faster in the qualifying session. Well, if but you it, do that in athletics, then you can start mm-hmm. on pole position. That's but, how you get pole position. But it does <laughs> extend the difference beyond what it is. It that's... does. I guess what I'm saying is I don't have a problem with this. They do yeah. it in athletics. If you qualify the fastest, you'll right. be put in the best lane. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, it's not just incentivizing. Hang on, is it a problem in athletics that the fast runners at the back run into the back of the guys in front? Does that happen in athletics? You'll know, Sarah. <laughs> but, oh, no, no, there's no, there's no like, crashes in athletics. <laughs> but, uh, don't they Unless they trip and fall. Does it get in steeplechase? Steeplechase is crashing. Bumping at each other when yeah. they're going over those fancy horse jumps. Yeah. Anyway, but. but <laughs> Steeple, you know, you, you are they called hurdles? Fancy horse jumps. Steeple. Yeah, what do they call the one with the water? I'm, I'm not very good that's on all this athletics. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, what do they call that jump though? I think that's what Zog's reaching yeah, yeah, for. The, yeah, the, that's the yeah. It's, it's a like high a hurt, jump with like the water. Hurdle yeah. with a moat. Yeah, added. They should have that in Formula One, Richard. That's <laughs> it. That's what's missing. People jumps. Steeple jumps, jumps like in those jumps, um, uh, like hot wheels. Trophy trucks do a lot of jumping. Seen that? There you go. Uh, yeah, they look great. Pretty yeah. similar. Yeah. Uh, Monster trucks. 
They basically are, well, sort of, like sporty monster trucks, yeah. To get back to this, I mean, first of all, this isn't really supposed to be fair, is it? And also, it, I mean, <laughs> you know, sport... <laughs> yeah, sport isn't supposed fair. to be fair, well, is it? Come on. No, 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 well, no, no, I mean, yeah. Not cricket. It's supposed to be fair in that you have a certain set of rules and you turn up and you compete in an event according to this set of rules. And it's sport. It doesn't matter. We're not rolling out new life-saving vaccines here. You know, you're putting on a show for people at the weekend or whenever your sporting event is. You're entitled to make up whatever rules you like. And as long as people are prepared to turn up and compete in your event according to those rules... Those are the rules. Well, this is so, the problem with Formula One, that every time they agree a set of rules... Yeah, so I completely <laughs> agree with you. Part Ironically, it's the opposite of vaccines, because really those should go to the people who need them the most. The yes. I think that's so a very good principle for vaccines. Should they have qualifying but, for yeah, vaccines? That's, that's, that's why you shouldn't. If you run to the medical truck to get your vaccine, if you're too unwell to get it and you're the last one, you get the advantage, you get... Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Although a vaccine prevents you getting a disease, so you probably have to... That would be something that's already got the disease and the vaccine probably isn't going to help we're getting into right. other areas yeah, yeah. we should just judge these things on different criteria but you're right yes I agree with you yeah. about F1 it's, it's, it's a it's, sport it shouldn't be fair it's not a school it's go, well now Lewis Hamilton I know that you won but unfortunately the poor Robert Kubitz is very sad <laughs> that he's going to get a trophy so we're going to give his <laughs> trophy just, 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 just make it a bit yeah. more fair uh, just make it more fair everyone's a winner here yeah. that's not how or even or even Nico hasn't got a drive so bit sad we're going to give him your drive Robert share Robert share good sharing good sharing well done yes it's not like that it's not a primary school that being so if they want to make Formula One, a little more even, perhaps, a little more exciting. I don't know, this reverse grid and all that malarkey and the sprint race. I sort of feel like what Formula One should do to broaden its appeal is have as few things as possible that someone who knows about Formula One has to explain to their friends while Mm -hmm. they're watching it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a good principle. Which means, basically, binning all of this shite, DRS and all that kind of stuff. Because if you you sit with people who don't know F1 and you're watching a race, and they're often going, what's happening now? Mm-hmm. Why is he doing that? Whereas yeah. if you watch a soccer match, football. I was just going to say, football is the perfect example. I don't know much about football, but I know that they've just got to kick the ball into that big net thing at one end and then they get more goals <laughs> than the other team. Goal yeah. point. Right. You see, this is where I. Red, yellow card kickoff. I disagree because I like the complexity. Yes, of but you Formula already like Formula One. They need people who are not that fussed to start watching. Get into it. Yeah, that's but I the like, point. I like the idea that you don't know who's going to win until the last five laps. I like the idea that it's more like chess than kicking. You usually know. No, got a likely idea. Win. I mean, unless some strategy pulls it out of the bag. Yeah, how many times it's, have you really been surprised in the last half And it, it does come down, it's uh, now coming down uh, to tyre wear. Has he got the fast tyres or the yeah. medium tyres? And that's the storylines now. Do away yeah. with tyres. Yeah. No yeah. tyres yeah. whatsoever. Someone, what, what, what someone who doesn't really know would be sitting there going, yeah, so, so why, is he, why is he not driving as fast as he can? Yeah, so what was the whole point of motor racing? Yeah. Oh, well, because his tyres are a bit poorly. Right, why don't they make them stronger then? Oh, because they deliberately make them worse than they could do because of trying to make it interesting. Although we do Scrap that, and they all had the same tyre strategy. They're all put on the same level playing field in terms of what they needed to do with tyre management. Maybe you'd have a different outcome, and an actual talented driver who was the best driver on the day might actually win, and that would be the story that the commentators work. I think they call that Formula Three, don't they? <laughs> this is Nico. He isn't a young driver, but he's got a lot of life left to give, although probably not in F1. This is Robert. Robert can't play the way he used to. 
but would still make a loving addition to any team, as long as they're even worse than Williams. So, um... This is Pierre. He's a much younger driver, and for some, his youthful enthusiasm is a little too much. But for the right team, he could be a lot of fun, as long as they don't mind the odd scrape. Please, this Christmas, adopt an established F1 driver. And remember, an F1 driver isn't just for Christmas. You'll probably have to keep them around until the following December. Unless you're Red Bull. Yes, Finn has joined us for the second half of this episode of Gareth Jones on Speed. Finn, what can you tell us about driving in America? Now, thank you. Now, yeah, because that's something I want to talk about. Richard, you go over to the states quite a lot, don't you? Being as you're almost half American these days, or your family uh, is. My family, yeah. Yeah, my kid, yeah, my kids are half American. Don't disagree, Finn. <laughs> He's talking the truth here. So you have good knowledge of how driving in America is different to driving, particularly in the UK. I mean, not just the fact that we're on the other side of the road, but stuff like. Turning right on a red light, what a brilliant idea that That's is. That's a very good idea. If you've got roads that can accommodate that. Mm. Many are roads we can't hear. How the whole country is geared up towards driving in a way that the UK just isn't. I mean, Australia is geared up towards driving, Sarah. I mean, you've got oh, yeah, the space. you have the space. Yeah. Plenty of drives up and down the east coast. Yeah. Across the country, if you're adventurous. Trying to think if I've driven in Australia. I've driven in New Zealand. I've been to Australia and been driven, but have I driven in Australia? You've driven in Australia, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I, they're ferocious on speed limits, though. Yeah, really? Yeah. really? yeah, down in... I can't remember which is worth. I've driven in New South Wales and in Victoria, I think. There's speed cameras everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's awful, and yeah. They, and everyone said, don't even think about it, because even if there's not a camera, they've got, like, planes up and they've got oh, cars, yeah. is, cop yeah. cars and is, stuff. Is the Gatso an Australian invention? The Gatso, the spell Belgium. camera? Belgian. Yeah. Belgian. Yeah. Was it? Surprise me. Morris Gatson. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just... Yeah, uh, but, former but, rally driver. But mm. I, I've been, as you know, he uh, hated speed cameras by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. He's oh, great, the irony! It's a great quote from him. It was in his obituaries that said, "Oh, you basically so I went curse this thing I accidentally invented. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always being caught by them." Wow. <laughs> On the other hand, if he's always getting royalties for the design, I guess he can afford to pay. <laughs> he gets royalties <laughs> from the photos. The trade-off. That'd be the ultimate irony. Come I'm on, a- speed, everyone! I'm minted. Everyone I knew in Australia all lost their license because they ran out of points. Oops, Everyone really? just keeps getting done for speeding mm. because there's cameras everywhere. Yeah. And whenever you drive up and down the coast or along the highways, everyone is just watching their points because it's that easy to get booked. Now, but this, back to your point, Gareth, is yes. something that is very different in the US because there are no speed cameras. That's right. I think they're seen as a grotesque infringement of liberty and yep. all that sort of stuff that Americans hold very dear. Hmm. And even the introduction of red light cameras on traffic lights was greeted really? with yeah. Yeah. How do they yeah. go with their rates of accidents? Well, the police wow. come chasing you. They have a very visible police presence in the States and they will come after you and they sit at very visible positions and people stick to speed limits in America they don't have cameras but they do signpost the speed limits rigidly or very clearly I, I, mean, I think they only really have uh, yeah. sort of two speed limits it's like yeah. generally now everyone's gone to 65 on freeways and main roads yep. and then usually it's 35 is it American possibly. police cars have forward facing radar yeah 
Mm. Ask me how I know. <laughs> how um, do you know, Richard? Because I got pinched. It, me by, too. Once. Uh, by yeah, in California. By yeah, uh, me too. Uh, a, a, car, a police car coming the other way, and I was like, "This isn't fair." Yeah. So it's the policeman. <laughs> we pulled wow. over, and I almost got out of the car because I wasn't thinking. Because that's what you do here. Yeah. And my wife, who's American, sort of tried to grab my arm and went, "Don't yeah. get out of yeah, the yeah. car." Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're not allowed. They, they'll pull you their guns sh- on you straight yeah. off. Yeah. Mike, interesting. Yeah. They assume yeah. that you've got a gun. You sit. And if you sit in the car, yeah. you put the window down. You sit in the car. Don't move. Hands visibly on the wheel. Yeah. Both hands. Don't go rummaging in the glove box for your driving license. That again, <laughs> yeah. apparently, that looks a bit suspicious. Pretty basic. No, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. They just assume you're going for your gun. And yeah. I got stopped, not on this trip, but when I was riding a motorcycle from Los Angeles to San Francisco and back many, many years ago, like 1990. And I was coming down the hill, I think I've told this story on the show before, Valencia, and I saw a Mustang, black and white, Chips, California Highway Patrol, who'd stopped someone else. I thought, I'm going pretty quick. I'm going to accelerate. He'll never, you know, he's busy with that guy. I'll be out of here. No, he came after me in his five-litre, what do they call it? The SHO, isn't it? The super high-output version of it, Yeah. yeah. Mm. came after me pulled me over and I knew not to make any sudden moves and take my helmet off very carefully and sit on the bike Mm. but when I explained that my driving license was in the top box of my bike he pulled his gun and pointed it right at me and Mm -hmm. tracked with me until I made very careful moves I said I'm opening the box now getting the license out presented him with my driving license and in those days it was a pre-photo ID license it's one of those paper licenses that folds out like 20 sheets of paper Mm. what the hell is this he said (laughs) this is a license where's your photograph and I explained, look, I'm, I'm, I'm awfully sorry. I'm just here for a very short while. How long are you here for? I'm leaving in another three days. Okay, well, get out of here and never come back. And that was it. I got away with it. And I was doing very close to 100 of your English miles per hour. Should have been banged up for that, but got away with it. Thank you, California. No, I, didn't, I didn't get away with it. No? Yeah. Did you? you got to pay up because... Yeah, yeah you got to pay up because you'll, you'll get in trouble next complicated. time you go back Well, apparently, to if you live in the US and you have the time, which I didn't because we were just there visiting of course, that it's worth contesting it and going to court because the cop has to show up. Yeah. And often yeah. they just can't be bothered or they forget. Uh, and if they don't, you get, it gets thrown out. Mm. So it's always worth, apparently, if you can do, a lot of people there go, screw it, I'll take the day off work. On the off chance, I'll get away with this speed. So almost on principle as well, I suppose, just being bloody-minded. But, but if you... If, well, yeah, you know, I couldn't, if, I couldn't go... Day, day, probably, let's extend the holiday by two weeks. You're probably in a different state by the time, you know... <laughs> yeah. But, if you're uh, actually back home by the time the court date comes mm. up. A chance would have been a fine thing for me to do some speeding on this last trip to America. As you know, I was over there for eight weeks with a band, The Alarm. I was making a podcast for them and travelling with them and occasionally even drove the vehicle that we were travelling in, which was this Freightliner 14-ton, I think it was, truck which had been converted into an mm. RV. We had 10 bunks in it and a shower and a toilet and all that. And we had a trailer as well. So the truck was 45 feet long. I'm using American units here. How about that? 45 feet long. And the trailer was another 15, 16 foot. I have never driven anything 60 foot long in my life. I have never towed anything. I've never, ever towed a trailer. It was quite an experience. But it was easy because America, you know, it's made for driving. Plenty of space. Mm. Yeah. Yes, you know, plenty of space for that big old 60 foot. Yeah, pulling into parking lots and just being able to find a space, that would never happen here, you know. Now, did you find, driving around the States this time, that maybe the proportion of SUVs and 4x4s and pickup trucks on the road was different to what had been before? My impression... What was your impression? That 
the most popular car in the United States of America at the moment is Korean. Huge numbers of Hyundais and Kias around cheap cars at the moment. Everybody's broke and they're spending on cheaper cars. The reason I was asking is, is that the last thing around the US sales of family cars mm-hmm. are just falling off the cliff, mm. whereas mm. pickups and SUVs are still growing so. The biggest selling you go this as well. Is, yeah. I think it yeah, no, very much but of course, there's going to be to do with urban areas versus mm. you know rural parts of the state and different mm. states and so on. But, that's, that's but on average, the biggest selling car in America over the whole nation is a truck, isn't it? The Ford F-150 yeah. sells think, more yeah, than anything so. else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, which is weird because the population densities aren't in the middle where you might need a truck. It's the East Coast and the West Coast. Mm. But the Kia Soul, I would love to look at the American chart. Everywhere I went, there was a Kia Soul. People mm. love the Kia Soul in America. I was astonished. At I don't how know how the sales popular. do, but there was a famous ad campaign. I think it's still going. A long-running ad campaign with these CGI hamsters doing various amusing things that got that car attention originally. Really? It's quite a well-known campaign over there, yeah. The thing is, I only found out about this because... When they launched the second generation Soul, I was in the US and I saw a billboard and it had a sort of cartoon hamster in a dinner jacket, (laughs) but with no context. Because if you were American, you'd already seen for the past five years, they've been advertising the previous generation car with these hamsters doing various things. And this was the idea that this was the second generation, same old thing, but smarter. So they just put a hamster in a dinner jacket. But if you didn't know that, you just went, why is there a hamster in a dinner jacket? It's really strange. Yeah. I didn't think it was. Well, I thought it was like a, a fat bear. I think it just it made no sense at all. And then so I, sort of, I asked a mate over there, and I went, why is there a fat bear on that Kia poster? And he went, no, it's a hamster. As if that was a stupid question. <laughs> wow. Oh, well, as now you've pointed that any, out. As if that made it any less weird. Oh, oh yeah. Right, course, I yeah. got you. I got you. Got now it makes cool. sense. Yeah. I, I think, think, yeah. But yeah, a very big popular campaign. Another one. Yeah, you have to. Establish those characters pretty well before you do Yes. Well, that's the thing, but yes, you remove all context. It'd be like an American coming over here and turning on TV and seeing one of those Go Compare adverts. Which, I mean, they don't yeah. really make any sense anyway. But, but once but you get to the have, generation we're at now, yeah. where they're selling you some plushy mini baby. And that's the mere toy. Yes. No, that's, yeah, yeah. that's the other one. No, I was thinking Fat oh, think, oh, Opposite. Sorry, yeah. yeah. But they now use him in well, ways that are so yeah. abstract yeah. because they assume everybody knows. But if you came to it cold, you'd just go, I'm sorry, I'm completely baffled by this. What's mm. it got to do with insurance? But yeah, the meerkats mm. as well. Mm. Do you know, someone at the BBC Natural History Unit told me a few years ago that they were doing some things with school kids, like primary school kids. And when they said to them, kids, where do meerkats come from? They all said Russia mm-hmm. <laughs> because of those adverts. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Um, They're African, aren't they? If that's all the information you've got to go on, that's... Well, that's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, children, why do you keep but buying But they've got Russian accents. Of course they come from mm. Russia. What yeah. do you mean they come from Africa? No, there's definitely a Russian accent. Yeah. Do you know another car? I don't know whether you noticed this, Gareth, but there's another car company that seems to sort of punch above its weight in the US relative to how they do... Subaru. Subaru, yeah. And that part mm. of that is, is hinging on it again. They've always been quite popular, particularly yeah. in, apparently in the Pacific Northwest for some reason. Yeah. But Forrest I guess four-wheel drive and stuff. But they did an ad campaign not that long ago. It was all dogs, dogs driving their cars. Yeah. And apparently it was a massive hit because who doesn't like dogs driving cars? And, it, and their sales have been... This is the first time they've just announced sales results for uh, the last quarter or the last year, I can't remember. And, and it's the first time in five, ten years even that Subaru sales have not been climbing. It's mm-hmm. dropped off, but that's the first time in mm. ages against most people having a more turbulent time. The Subaru has, has had anything but sales success. I remember no one buys Subarus here, yeah. They had a bit of a hot spot, you know, mm. yeah. while, but, but they've yeah, they're not so. Uh, I remember hanging out the window of the truck at one point, going through Pennsylvania and seeing a row of cars alongside us. We were sat in traffic 
and there were probably eight cars, and I think six of them were Subarus, mostly Foresters, mm. named after Philippa Forrester, of course. And I was slightly baffled and surprised. Now, one thing about driving in the States, like quite a lot of other things in the States, it's a lot more regional than you might think, and differs a lot more from state to state than you might expect, or than you might think as an outsider. The way that the different state police forces will deal with speeding, mm-hmm. both in terms of how kind of hot they are on it and their general approach to various types of traffic offences. And there's also stuff like the regional behaviour can be very different between different states. Somebody was telling a story about how they were used to driving in New York. They lived in New York and, and they were... Like, hey, it's amazing. When I go to Delaware, not everyone's leaning on the horn the whole time. They were visiting LA some highway. friends down south or something and with a friend in the car and they get cut up in traffic driving somewhere in the south and like they would do any time they get cut up in traffic in New York, you know, they flip the bird. The bird. Yes. <laughs> a car chase ensues. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm really quite worried about getting caught because you don't. Well, you talk, you know, you know, we're being like hearted about a policeman drawing on you, or whatever. When you go, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the policeman probably got an understandable concern about whether yeah. the person they pulled over has got a gun or not. In this case, as well, they didn't know if the guy yeah. in the other car was. But I'd say it's only the same as if you're used to driving in London that I always think I sort of have to turn it down a bit when I go to other parts of the country because you realise that people aren't as aggressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's probably the same as that. It's not Johnny Carson gag, isn't it? About a New York minute is the gap between the light going green and someone honking their horn. Yeah, that's right. It's usually measured as about half a second. My dad used to say exactly what you just said that when he used to come to London, oh, I like coming to London. You know that if there's an opportunity, someone's going to take it. You can work with that. You know people are going to be. Yeah, aggressive yeah. and it's exactly that in reverse as a, as a Londoner that when I leave town I'm less likely to pull out in a gap you think oh there'll be a bigger gap in a minute but in London if you wait for a bigger gap you'll wait forever don't you yeah or you have something that's quick enough and nippy enough that you can get into that gap. yeah that's yeah. your other approach. city sports yeah, car yeah, yeah. the other thing I noticed in America is that personal mobility is starting to get a toehold over car ownership and using a car to get around are we talking electric scooters here? yes ah oh, very good every city i don't know how uber well, make a living because everybody's on electric scooters there are yeah. lime there's trip there's i forget the names i've, I've registered with about five of them because which one bird related name bird yeah bird, bird is one, one i'm with them yeah. yeah i mean we were doing it all the time are these electric scooters they're using on the roads or yeah sidewalks because in the states you can well depending on which state but you can either use it on the road or the sidewalk and they have to wear both a of which or not? are illegal over here yeah so, both of which yeah. are yeah illegal yeah. or unlawful or not not yeah. not covered by the law yeah. Anyway. yeah they're becoming a bit of a nuisance i think in some places aren't everyone's they? drunk just, well i was yeah, going to say I, I think the reason uber still exists is because i wouldn't want to use an electric scooter to go 10 miles home when i'm pissed but yeah. as in the british sense <laughs> well <not> in the <laughs> american sense we're just in a really bad mood there's plenty of boris bikes to go around yeah so. well again i probably wouldn't again I w- yeah i wouldn't get on them i mean i do it i am guilty just jump on a boris bike without a helmet if you did that in australia you'd be fined on the spot oh really is that right you can't yeah. ride a push bike without a helmet in yeah australia. cannot and that's why you know from being in australia and then being here i've the shock of my life going why isn't there a million police officers just finding all these bike riders wow well in the states people are riding electric scooters practically naked you know they're Mm. in tiny shorts and (laughs) bikini tops and posh frocks they come off they're going to lose half the skin on their body aren't they interesting thing though is that i believe the evidence base for bike helmets giving you much protection in a crash is actually pretty weak Mm. you know in the netherlands they don't bother with helmets much at all well i mean 
huge cycling yeah, but then they, yeah, their roads just, are properly designed to keep cyclists separate from yeah, yeah, yeah. yes and, they, and their drivers possible. are much better at yeah, yeah. Kind of respecting the space mm, yeah. of cyclists being more aware of cyclists yeah I think um, the Dutch think we're a bit nutty because we're obsessed with yeah, and, 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 you know, on the one hand it seems obvious that wearing a helmet is going to give you some protection in a crash, so of mm. course you should wear a helmet. But it may not be quite as simple as that, in that there are studies that show that wearing a helmet doesn't give you any statistically noticeable benefit in a crash. Really? Really, well. really. Now, these studies may not be very good studies. It's difficult to do good... They're made by hair gel companies. It's difficult to do good studies, particularly stuff like this, where you, where you yeah. can't do a controlled experiment. Anyway, but there may be compounding factors here. There may be things like drivers who are overtaking a cyclist who's wearing a helmet are not going to be quite as careful maybe as drivers who are overtaking a cyclist Mm -hmm. who doesn't have a helmet you know so that may play into the thing and there's also a factor here that and this applies I believe to ski helmets as well that bike helmets just don't give you enough protection to help you in a very nasty really bad crash They'll prevent you getting, you know, a cut on your forehead where you might have got a cut on your forehead. If you're in an accident where you're at risk of getting some catastrophic head injury, the bike helmet is perhaps not going to give you that much protection. A motorcycle helmet probably would. Well, I wear something that's somewhere in between when I'm riding my... But then then you wouldn't be able to see where you're going. I wear something that's somewhere in between. Push bike helmets, super lightweight, polycarb foam, lots of gaps in them. Peak out the front. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the BMX type helmet, which is more like a motorcycle helmet. And if you've seen my uh, bike helmet, it's more like a BMX helmet. It's more like a motorcycle helmet. And I think that gives me better protection than the classic light. I'll be interested to have a look at this helmet because yeah. if you want to describe what you think you're describing that no that's the same level of protection as the other bike helmet it's not giving you any better protection why Absolutely so not. it's a thicker stronger it, more developing helmet there's just not enough stuff that is going to absorb the energy mm-hmm. in between your head and the outer edge of the shell You've still got quite there's just thick not hair. enough stuff <laughs> that, that have, that, maybe that'll give you a little bit of extra help but you know <laughs> i would Jim, yeah. don't count on it anyway um, I Best would probably, thing, if stay I was wearing, stay riding, accidents, that's your riding an electric scooter at high speed through downtown Austin or Venice Beach. That's where somewhere. I first did it. I Austin. would probably wear a helmet. I'd just get an Uber. Yeah, I think I do wear a helmet when I'm on my bike. Mm. <laughs> and when I fell off my bike last year, I was very happy that I was wearing the helmet. Mm. And there it did are. prevent me getting a nastier cut. The but, legal status in America of drivers, if you step out... Off the sidewalk, into the roadway, whatever they call it over there. In America, a driver will stop. They have to stop, because if they hit you, it's their fault. Mm. In this country... It seems kind of unfair. You know, yeah. If you're silly enough to just step out in front of yeah. the car, it's, it, it's kind of your fault. In this country, really? it's the opposite. If you're in the road, it's your fault. So I do Are you feel... sure about that? Because mm. know, jaywalking is a huge crime over there. You yeah. can get tickets yeah, yeah. jaywalking is in the road. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got yeah. fined in Australia for jaywalking. Did you? Yeah. I was... I, I've just got the biggest shock of my life. At home and in yeah, we're, we're all about the really? jaywalking in London. Sydney. I know. Well, no, it's, 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 I've had Americans come over here. I straight and had a policeman stop me at the corner and say, excuse me, are you aware of what you just did? And I said, yeah, I just walked across the road. What's the cover of me? Check it out. Sorry, what is this Nazi Germany? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm in prison. He goes, find me seventy dollars. Really? Yeah. It's like he goes, and then he started giving. I got a big lecture on the dangers. (laughs) It'd be cheaper to hit someone in a car, wouldn't it? You'd pay less. So I always feel sorry for Americans. Americans, Americans, I've had Americans come over here, and they're always amazed that we just cross the street with abandon because it's yeah, it's a yeah, I agree. And it's drilled into them as well. It's a thing. They just go, yeah, you don't. 
jaywalk, you go to the proper crossing and you wait. So I'm amazed that any blame rests with car drivers because it all feels like it's sort of skewed to making sure pedestrians stay in their lane, as Americans would probably say, yeah, figuratively. Mm. But talking about personal mobility, I mean, first of all, those scooters, I know someone who lives in Venice Beach in Los Angeles, and apparently the pavements, or sidewalks, if you will, around there, and the boardwalk above the beach there is increasingly getting littered with these things. We stayed there when we were in the US over They're last Christmas everywhere. and did see quite a few of them and apparently just got worse and worse than yep. since we were there. It was only six months ago. They're just becoming a mm. nuisance in that way that because you can just dump them and then the whole system works on that kind of GPS where you can just look one up, find your nearest one, yeah. get on, I, go. I, I, Just to be clear, we're not talking about kind of personally owned scooters. We're no, talking these, about, these ones. We're talking about scooters that are being the rented same way that by... The, uh, the yeah. bicycle thing yeah. is now yeah. happening in London beyond the Boris bikes, as we call mm. them. There's also the... Um, Uber. Uh, with the blue, the green, yellow, lime, 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 those are electric yeah. bikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they, you can just leave them anywhere. So yeah. like, sometimes I go down to the local park and walk the dog in the morning, and yeah. there's just a lime bike dumped there. You know, just mm. lying on its side usually. And yeah, then they, they have, have to wait for their collection teams to Ubers come. Ubers as well, it. Uber bikes. Yeah, and Ford in San Francisco, Ford sponsor a bicycle system yeah. that you can yeah. use. Yeah, it's provided by the Ford Motor Company. Who, by the way, I went to Detroit. Oh, I was so happy. It's a long time since I've been to Detroit. The last time I was there was 1984, I think. We were on a tour I was doing a long time ago. A lot has happened in Detroit. Yeah, man. Yeah. A lot of of decay and uh, attempts to pull out of it. Yeah, Mm. the attempts to pull out of it. It is recovering now. There's an awful lot of investment. People hang out in town in Detroit. After the gig, there was a cruise out of all the places in the world to have a cruise Detroit. It was remarkable. Cars from the 1950s, the 60s, contemporary cars, beautiful cars. It's like a motor show going past the tour bus. We all got beers and just sat at the window of the bus watching this cruise go by. And it's really vibrant. Don't let anyone tell you that Detroit is run down. It's over the hump now. It was absolutely rocking it was a joy to be there i almost cried when i saw like the gm buildings as we pulled into town and stuff i've come to mecca it's just beautiful (laughs) and ford have bought the old train station the the central station Mm. in detroit Mm. not sure what they're going to do with it whether they're going to move in there or manufacture cars there or what but very interesting that ford are investing in detroit still even though they're not making cars there anymore well they are but i'm gonna say whatever they're gonna do uh, with that train station i don't, don't think it's gonna be i wouldn't think it's gonna be manufacturing cars. not in the middle no, of town there's only uh, the only cars that are made in detroit proper now are i knew this some chryslers can't remember which one is that right mm. not the challenger and that although cars the real drive ones made up in canada but yeah i can't remember now there's only one car basically or two cars that are made in detroit itself everything else has moved out i was going to say that on the sort of personal mobility thing in the u.s the scooters are one thing i guess for your sort of localized thing but my sister-in-law not my brother's wife gareth just to be clear on this my my wife's sister (laughs) lives in los angeles and she was telling me first of all that her daughter my wife's niece is just about to hit driving age. In fact, you can start learning. She's about to be 16, but you can start yeah. learning while you're still 15. That's yeah. part of the oh, regulations. In where? In LA. In LA. California. So she is starting to learn to drive, but a lot of her schoolmates aren't, which is weird because LA is car city. You yeah. need a car to get mm. around. Yeah. You know, It's hard to do it on public transport. But they're all just thinking, well, I'll just Uber everywhere. Yeah, yeah, they it's, do. It still cost me less long well, run than owning yeah. a car. Yeah. And more than that, my sister-in-law said, well, she runs her own company and some of her younger employees who are in their 20s don't have cars in LA. 
which 10 which years ago, unthinkable. never mind any more yeah. than that, would have been absolutely unthinkable. Yeah. How do you yeah. get around? And they're using a mixture of Uber and those scooters. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the thing about these electric scooters, if you're looking at it from a kind of UK perspective, or you know, we're here in London, the scooters are sort of notoriously a pain because you can't legally use them on the road or on the pavement. On the pavement, they're a bit of a menace to pedestrians. Mm. Yeah. On the road, they're more of a menace to cars than bikes are in the sense that they are a bit more likely to do unpredictable things, I think, and you're around... Can't you know, stop as soft, quickly. fleshy things that are yeah. not as bump resistant. With as metal tiny boxes. wheels that are going to trip with tiny over. Wheels, yeah, yeah, with tiny wheels that, that can't negotiate a lot of little bumps in the yeah. road and potholes or drains. But having said that, those things about how awful electric scooters are, they're absolutely one of the very best things that you could think. You know, if you were starting from right here, right now, and designing a city from scratch and thinking, what kind of a transport infrastructure do we want for this city? How are we going to get people to move around this city? Mm. Things like those electric scooters, whether it's this or the next generation, they would absolutely be... As long as they had their own lanes that kept them safe from pedestrians and safe from cars. I'm not for a moment saying that it's easy to kind of go from where we are here to having these things being used safely and efficiently mm-hmm. as part of a well-planned, lovely, beautiful mm. urban transport system. Mm. Yeah, it's clearly not easy at all. But what I am saying is they're just great little personal transport solutions. Yeah. Here's an interesting one. Do you know the Renault Twizy? Yeah. yeah. Funny little electric car, a bit stupid. No but also a bit nice. Also a bit, bit cool. I always I just found them irritating like because I thought that what they do is, at the point they arrived, which was, what, about sort of six, seven years yeah, ago, maybe? Ten, they, ten now. They ten, were yeah. a stupid comedy electric car at a time yep. when really we were hoping that people were going to start taking electric cars seriously. We're at that point now, it's fine. But at the moment the Twizy arrived, I was just like, this just extends the joke. That and the gee whiz just make this side to give us impressions to the wider world that electric cars are crappy and funny looking. But yeah, do you know yeah. where you see loads of Renault Twizzies and they make perfect sense? Yeah, South of France. Yeah, I, like, I like them. Yeah, Monte Carlo. Yeah. Yeah. Small, so self-contained like yeah. city-state. Perfect. It's a bit hilly. Population's quite old in places. You just need to get around. Yeah. Never going to go very far. The climate is lovely. Yeah, Barcelona. You can rent them in Barcelona. There are loads there. Yeah, Yeah. beautiful. But needless to say, you know, remember what they used to say about Bruce Springsteen? I've seen the future of rocket. It's called Bruce Springsteen. I've seen the future of transport and it's America today. I've always said America is between five and eight hours behind the UK, but actually five years ahead of us. What happens there is coming here. Well, you, ask about ship for and the, pin, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but absolutely not in terms of actual car sales. We are absolutely not going to follow that trend of increasing uh, yeah, and SUV no sales. And no washing machines either, stuff. thanks very much. Well, I think yeah, we have. Yeah. I think we've all moved up They're, to SUVs rather than cars. In this country, look at all people used to drive you know, popular, hatchbacks and now driving more. SUVs. It's happening. It's actually happening. And you, think, and you think that's they're going to become more popular? I'll take that bet if you're making it. I think it's coming yeah i think yeah people no, yeah no no hey this no. is another conversation you've been disagreeing with me and zog goodbye and sarah goodbye and richard goodbye uh, it's nice to be back as we say in wales will to send us an email see pictures get song lyrics join our facebook fan site follow us on twitter or to find out about sponsorship opportunities go to garethjones.tv gareth jones on speed is made in london by Whizbang. uh hello it's richard here you might remember me from um this podcast you've just listened to unfortunately i completely forgot to mention that i've got a new book out and i would be hugely grateful if you went out and bought it it's called how to be formula one champion 
Uh, it's available in all good bookshops and some terrible ones. And also, of course, at your favourite online retailer, where inevitably it will be slightly less than the nine ninety nine cover price. That's right, just nine ninety nine for the essential guide on how to be a Formula One world champion, as long as you don't actually want to be a Formula One world champion because uh, it's just a joke. Uh, but if you could buy it, that would be absolutely great, or buy it and give it to a loved one, or indeed someone you don't like very much at all. Please buy my book. You know, we should have given that to Nico Hulkenberg. It's too late for Nico. Direction, jump speed, speed!